Okay, uh, welcome to the listeners. I am here with Abbot George Burke, and my name is Jonathan Mahoney, and we're talking about the Bhagavad Gita again. How are you, Abbot George? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Trying to revise uh, uh, a couple of books. Okay. And that's about it. All right. Um, well, my first question to you is, what is the Bhagavad Gita, and why is it important to the spiritual seeker? Well, the Gita is a part of a long poem written by uh, perhaps the greatest sage of India named Vyasa, and uh, who wrote many other books as well. In fact, once a year, there is a, a, on a full moon, uh, there is throughout India what they call Vyas Purnima Puja, and uh, Vyasa is is honored at that time. So he wrote this. Um, if I can just make a footnote, uh, today the Mahabharata consists of one hundred thousand verses. These were not all written by Vyasa. Vyasa definitely wrote um, fifteen thousand verses, which is pretty long as it is. Uh, some of his students added 10,000, making it 25,000, and then from somewhere over the century, 75,000 got tacked on it. Okay. Uh, but anyway, in it is a section of 700 verses, which are a conversation between Krishna and another great and a great yogi arjuna uh on the battlefield of kurukshetra and kurukshetra is a pretty is a large city in uh india today the battlefield is still there uh nobody's built any uh housing projects on it mm. and actually there is a a little i don't know you could call it a hill um, maybe a tiny hill, say 70, 80 feet high, that is the place <clears throat> where uh, Arjuna asked Krishna to uh, bring and, and stop his war chariot because Arjuna was what they call a car warrior. And he fought from a kind of... Uh, uh, version of a tank. It wasn't all enclosed, but it was kind of a war <laughs> vehicle. Okay. And uh, and uh, Krishna was actually driving the chariot. Uh, it's a very interesting story. Uh, uh, let's do uh, digress for this. Uh, Krishna tried for many years to stop a war. And I won't describe all the, the stuff that led up to it. Uh, it didn't work. And there were two people who were leaders of each side. One was Arjuna, who was a great yogi. I mean, really supremely great yogi. And then the other was a supreme stinker um, named Duryodhana. And uh, it was really a matter of good versus evil. 
So anyway, when it was realized after years and years of trying to make peace that there was going to be a war, uh, Duryodhana and Arjuna went together to see Krishna. Now, Krishna was at that time ruling Dwarka, which is in western India, in Gujarat. That was a place where the state where Gandhi was born and where he had his ashram later on. Oh, okay. And so, uh, you know, he was a king, a powerful king. So, and he had an army, a large army. So they uh, both went and they said to Krishna, there is going to be a war. We're dividing up sides. And we want to know uh, where you're going to be. On which side? Under Duryodhana, under Arjuna. And Krishna said, well, um, one of you can have my army. And another one of you can have me. But I will not fight. Okay? Okay. And he said to Arjuna, which do you want you want? And of course, Duryodhana was just in despair and in a sweat because he knew, well, he's going to ask for an army and I'll get stuck with Krishna and I hate Krishna. In fact, Duryodhana more than once had tried to kill Krishna. But uh, <laughs> uh, Duryodhana was very shocked because Arjuna said, Krishna, I want you hmm. and you don't have to fight but will you drive my chariot? And Krishna said, yes, I will. And of course, Duryodhana was thrilled because he got the army. Mm -hmm. So the battlefield was there. The good people, the what are called the Pandavas, uh, they were outnumbered about 10 to 1 by the bad people who were called the Kauravas. So Arjuna said to Krishna, please bring my uh, chariot up to that rise where I can really take a good look at, uh, at the way things are uh, just before every, all of fighting starts. If, you, if anyone gets a chance, they should go to Kurukshetra, to that place, Go up, sit on that hill, and you can feel it in the air that something incredible did take place. Oh, really? And, oh, yeah. Okay. It's really quite, it's wonderful. So anyway, um, they he brought up the chariot and then begins the dialogue between them. Now, obviously, they didn't speak in in meter you know in sanskrit mm -hmm. text uh, things don't rhyme fortunately <laughs> uh poetry from the beginning in india was metrical so it just had the same number of syllables and so on for lines or uh, in making stanzas and uh of course the whole gita is in that and you can sing it in fact, it is sung daily, I'm sure, by tens of thousands of people 
often recited by them. Some people have the Gita by heart and they just recite it every day. I met a, oh, wow. a member of the state legislature of Bihar who told me that uh, every morning he went for a walk and when he took the first step out of his front door, he began reciting, um, you know, Dhritarashtra Uvacha, Dharmakshetra, Kurukshetra, etc., etc., which means uh, Kurukshetra, the field of Dharma. And he had his walk all figured out so that he was reciting the very last words of the last verse when he took the step back into his front door. Wow. So <laughs> the Gita is the scripture of India, uh, truly. It is perfect in every way. And as I say, obviously, it wasn't all spoken in meter, but of course, it's the teachings that that Krishna gave to Arjuna because Arjuna was horrified and he said, I don't want to fight. I don't want to kill these people. I love these people. I even love the evil ones and I can't do it. But Krishna said, yes, you've got to. And this is very significant because um, you may might remember that uh, when Yoganandaji was on the boat coming to America, he was asked by someone to give a talk uh, to the people, the passengers on the boat. And he said, well, what will I talk about? And the man said, well, why don't you talk about the battle of life <laughs> and how to win it? And that's very, very significant, isn't it? Yes. That uh, uh, the very first talk he got, though in the in the ocean, not in America, uh, his first public talk in English that he ever gave was that subject. And that's what the Gita is about. It's about you, you find yourself in the battlefield. There are a lot of conflicts you don't want to engage in. Uh, a lot of things confuse you. Arjuna says this to Krishna, Krishna, my mind is confused. I just don't understand. You, I know, can make it all clear to me. And so it's mostly a monologue where Krishna is speaking to Arjuna about you know, various aspects of spiritual life and the path to enlightenment, to liberation. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, it's, it's just so ideal and it covers everything. If a person did nothing but read the Gita and read it every day, and I don't mean a, a favorite chapter or so, but literally keep reading it from the beginning to the end. Uh, mm -hmm. Most chapters are very short. So anyone can read the Gita in, say, 20, 21 days if they also split the long chapters in half. And... Uh, it just covers everything. Uh, my first time I was in India, someone told me that they had visited a yogi that lived in a small boat on the Ganges in the holy city of Banaras. And 
that uh, he never spoke, but that people came to him and they would tell him a problem they had or all their various problems of their life. And he would just open the Gita maybe one or more times and point to a verse. And that gave the answer. And literally he had for all these years been advising people just by having them read one or more verses out of the Gita. So mm. it's immensely, immensely practical and immensely valuable. It is the universal scripture. Absolutely. And uh, uh, to me, it was wonderful. I had an experience, which, uh, believe it or not, I won't go into now and take up more time, where suddenly <laughs> out of the blue, having been a very standard issue fundamentalist Protestant, kabang, in, in one moment, I understood karma, reincarnation, evolution of consciousness. Uh, all three beliefs which I had previously said were absolutely stupid and only a person extremely stupid or else crazy would believe him. And there it was. And I thought, what am I going to do? Here I am hmm. at sea. And this is in the Middle West. I didn't even know anybody that believed in reincarnation. So uh, fortunately, I... I read the Bhagavad Gita and that told me everything. Or rather, I remembered what the Gita had to say to me. And I realized, of course, this is what my inmost being has always known. So that's an idea about the Gita. And I do believe it's been about three times longer than <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. But uh, anyhow... Uh, the Bhagavad Gita well, I think is you covered it very truly, well. well, it's a miracle. It is a miracle of a book and everything you find there. And if people keep reading it, because it's very important, you can read certain books and you get the idea, you don't, don't need to read it again. But this is so, so vast in its scope and so incredibly detailed. So much is packed in those 700 verses that uh, the important thing is the perspective of the Gita. And if you read it every day and really read it consciously, then so many pitfalls in life you won't fall into, and especially in spiritual life. This is very, a lot okay. of people think they're enlightened if they'd really read the Gita and find out they're not. And a lot of people who think they're following a viable spiritual path would realize that they're following something either utterly false or else so merely partial and lacking so many aspects that they might as well not be following anything. Now that's, mm. that's, that's the very important thing. It keeps people on track. Yogi Raj Shyamacharan Lahiri Mahashai who you read about in Autobiography of the Yogi, required every one of his disciples to read the Gita daily. And uh, so it's a very important thing. 